How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoe. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All right, it has been like three weeks or something, two or three weeks since we have recorded. So first I will start just by saying, hi, Diane. How are you? Oh, I'm doing swell. How are you doing, Chanel? I'm doing pretty well. Um, We both talked a little bit about how we are just basically exhausted. Diane went on her annual trip to Sundance, which usually we record during, but um, things have been kind of hectic, so we just, just took the two weeks. How was Sundance, though, I guess, before we talk hockey? Sundance was awesome. It was very cold. It snowed a lot. So I was ready to come home. I fell twice on the oh, ice. Oh, wow. Oh, no. So always a good time, friends. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, I'm glad that you hopefully didn't get hurt too bad. You made it back. So that's I good. am alive. I have all of my limbs. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> nice. Um, what was your favorite movie that you saw? Um, I saw this movie called Captain Fantastic. It has Viggo Mortensen in it, and oh, it nice. was great. Uh, there were a lot of very heartwarming and, like, touching or just straight-up sad uh, movies at Sundance. And I, I'm an emotional – I cry at everything. <laughs> so at the beginning of the festival, I was something like five for five um, oh, wow. in, in, like, movies that I just, like, bawled in or, like, was emotionally wrecked by. Or what have you. So, you know, it was it was a good festival. <laughs> it was is, a good time. Is Captain Fantastic a sad one, or is it just, like, touching, kind of? It's touching, and that's what gets me the most. It was super, like, family, heartwarming, like, all of that stuff, and I bawled. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I cry at everything, too. I feel like there was a point in my life where I didn't cry at everything, and then I, I like, distinctly remember being in a movie theater and just, like, bawling and being like this never happens to me and it's just been a mess since then i was like 16 so. <laughs> i've always cried but i think i cry more now as an adult than i did as like you know a young emotional kid i guess i'm a more emotional adult right. just like bawling all over the place at touching heartwarming things <laughs> i i've decided that it's because like when you're young you're just like kind of a sociopath and you don't really care that much about other people yeah and that's then true. as you get older you're like oh it's life is so fragile and so many things happen i'm gonna cry about it constantly <laughs> that was basically it for all of the films i was like oh this sweet bond they never had to stay together like but like you know love prevails and they fought against all odds and i'm just sitting here crying i'm like dehydrated because i've just like wept everything out of myself (laughs) frantically looking for tissues you gotta make sure that you bring like a water bottle so you can you know refill yourself (laughs) I, i chugged so much water the second i finished that like those movies so, like, basically two weeks of you being cold and sobbing. Good times. Yes. <laughs> that, that is the essence of my, my festival experience. Well, in the meantime, I, well, it's Super Bowl Sunday, but we're going to talk about hockey. <laughs> yes. Um, and while you were gone, I don't know how much you were able to, like, check in with anything. Did you see anything from, like, the All-Star Game or anything like that? I didn't actually watch any of the All-Star Game, but I did see that John Scott – everything's coming up John Scott. 
Yeah. So he had a fantastic week, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. It's, it was really nice to see. And I have to say, like, going into it, I didn't really care that much about whether or not he played in the game. Like, I mean, nothing against him. I just didn't really care. And I just I, I just hated the way that the NHL handled it. So in, yeah, that, in that, like, uh, idea, I did care whether he played and not really him as a person. Just like, how dare you fuck over this guy in this way? Mm-hmm. Please let him play. But yeah, for Johnson, I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, but it, it was one of those things where it was like the NHL was kind of shady about it, trying to like get him to drop out and stuff. Um, and so I was glad when it was he was kind of like, you know, F you, I'm going to go anyway. Like, I'm always down for stuff like that. So <laughs> getting to see then all of the fans react to him and all the players, too, having a lot of fun with it. It was cool, and it made for a lot of uh, really nice moments. And it was amazing, actually, because the three-on-three, as it went on, like, you could, at first you could see guys kind of doing what they would do in past games, like, feeling it out, not playing too hard. But as the games went on, because there are three of them, like, the final game was a one nothing kind of competitive, amazing time. <laughs> Suddenly, people started to care a little bit. Uh, the Pacific goalies posted shutouts. It was kind of wild, and it was nice to, after all of that, see John Scott get to be like MVP and you know take that check from from Gary Bettman which was like an amazing also fuck you type of moment oh yeah exactly like him having to hand over money and like a car and like (laughs) here person I tried to bar from even being here I guess you get this like great honor of getting this check in this car Mm -hmm. um that's just so like Gary Bettman having to paste on like the fakest smile <laughs> like that's just so great ultimate want want moment for gary yeah, exactly <laughs> you just I know like the that. set like right before he uh stepped out like to actually like smile and wave at the crowd he's just like fuck this <laughs> and then like pasted on his little smile and like trotted on out yeah i loved i love that and it was cool to see like players do the three-on-three thing i think it's a lot of fun I, my roommate is it's funny because she's like a huge football fan and I'm a huge hockey fan. So when we watch the games together of either sport, we kind of like coach each other on <laughs> understanding what's happening uh, better. And so she watched the All Star game. She was like, "Is this what it's like constantly?" <laughs> um, and I was like, "Well, actually, it's not always this much open ice, but it is always this fast, and you do always feel mildly stressed out watching it." That's super accurate. I always want to take, uh, like, put on, like, a Fitbit or something like that and test, like, what my heart rate is, is like. Yeah. Or, like, there's a way that I could figure out my anxiety levels during, like, any one game. I would love to see the graph of me, like, freaking out over right. some, like, <laughs> some, like, you know, comeback game where it ends up being really close and it goes into overtime. And I'm like, I'm sure I am just a crazy mess. Yeah, I yeah, I'm sure I'm a disaster. And I feel like the the worst of it too is I feel like I've calmed down <laughs> after <laughs> like us starting this podcast and stuff. It's made me like learn more about the game from, you know, just being a casual fan a few years ago and I think feel like that's given me more perspective and I can be a little more chill, but I'm, my heart still racing plenty of times when I watch hockey. I will say that the last time we saw a game together, it went into a shootout and you did watch part of it. I did. Whereas before, you would not have watched a single second of that sh- shootout. But this time, you watched, you watched a bit of it. Uh, I don't know what it is about, like, special team situations and stuff like the shootout that just, like, gives me so much anxiety. I think it's because it's, like, 
if because those circumstances are a little bit more arbitrary, um, it's it's it it just feels like oh my god. And with like special teams and stuff, the odds are against you because you're outnumbered. It's it's just too much for me. It's too much. <laughs> but I have gotten better and braver, and I and I watch the stuff. Um, which I mean, I also like when I don't watch them. I try to go back and watch replays so that I can have actually seen it. But in the moment, especially if yeah. I'm in the building on TV, it's different. <laughs> but if I'm in the building, it's a rough time for me. It's just her. It's just you, like huddled against yourself, like face yeah. down in your lap, and ever like other people are standing. You're just sitting like in the smallest little ball. Like no, nope, <laughs> can't do this. I went to the bathroom. I think the first <laughs> shootout game that the. Kings played, I think it was this season, just went to the bathroom. I was like, I'm just going to experience this from elsewhere. <laughs> and I think they won it, so it was fine, but I could not be in the room with people. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite response. But yeah, but getting better. Um, and the Kings, I guess we should get on to talking about them. They yes. are still first in the Pacific Division, so good news for you. Like, you left, and I mean, there was a break, so you didn't miss a whole lot of gameplay or anything. Right. But they didn't manage to shit the bed or anything too bad anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, not not as large of a margin of, like, winning as before. Still seven points right now, but uh, you know, they've had a little bit before they were super domi- dominant and lost, like, a few games here or there. But now they've kind of petered out. Not petered out, just kind of Played a little bit more mediocre, I suppose. Yeah, they're because uh, they're currently five. Yeah, they're currently five five and oh, so that's a little. I mean, normal for like old Kings Winter Time, but for current Kings Winter Time, it's a little uh, out of character. Yeah, so they gotta, and now they're on their Grammys trips or on the road for a number of games coming up. So hopefully they turn that around. They did play a game against Arizona in one six two, and it was really good game for them. They went down early, but came back and were really strong. Um, but the game against the Ducks that they played on Thursday, they were a disaster. None of that was good. None of that was good. So it's, so it's kind of like that for the Kings right now, a little bit of back and forth, um, which is still fine. Like They're still ahead of other teams, but I think in comparison to the Sharks and the Ducks, like the Ducks are on a six-game win streak, including the win against the Kings, and the Sharks are, the Sharks have been really good, so the Kings gotta, if they don't want the rest of California to catch up to them, they gotta uh, right the ship pretty quickly, (laughs) and I think they can. I think they can, too. This is just a minor blip, um, and something that we're talking about now, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think this is what they're gonna trend towards, so Mm -hmm. they're still in a very good position. As long as they don't lose that cushion and play well on the road and they've been a pretty good road team this year so I'm not worried about it or dreaded it whereas last season they kept having weird luck on the road um and just couldn't pull out a bunch of wins this I think they have a decent chance to play really strong so I think it'll be a fun time and hopefully they stay number one and you know hold on to that playoff spot they're in a good position right now. Um, their record is 31-17-3, which is 65 points. So first in the Pacific, I believe fourth in the Western Conference, and sixth in the league. Yeah. So 51 games played. So they're they're in a good spot. Feeling good about the Kings. Points leader Andre Kopitar, as usual, he's got 46 points now. Tyler Toffoli has officially matched his goal production from last season, which was his highest, at 23. And... That was after 76 games last season, so he's got 23 goals in 51 games this season. 
Um, good ass job. <laughs> yeah, I so love he's it. got he's got a few more games to you know score like seventeen more goals or something like that. Yeah, you know? no big deal. <laughs> he can do it. Um, although he did go on a little bit of like a um like a drought, I suppose. Yeah. Um, only just scoring in this last Ducks game, but um, I think he's got this. He's got it. He'll get it back. I'm. I just want to make it to thirty, and he's got plenty of time to do it still. So I'm like here going for forty. I'm like seventeen more goals. <laughs> fully do it. Let's make it happen. I mean, he could just score a couple more hat tricks. Let's go. Um, but if he can just get to the thirty, I will be so 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 excited for him. And then anything after that is like above and beyond. <laughs> if he made it just to do it, um, someone else who had, had who's had a pretty good. The last couple games is Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown had his first multi-goal game since 2014, <laughs> uh, playing against Arizona. And his last multi-goal game, according to Rich Hammond, was also against the Arizona Coyotes. So Dustin Brown versus the Coyotes, always a great time for him. And that that just seems accurate. Like, now that we know for sure, like, you're like, oh, okay, but just it also just, like, sounds about right with how much I feel like Arizona hates Dustin Brown. yeah. It feels correct that Dustin Brown's multi point or multi goal games would be against the Coyotes. Poetic, almost. Yes, <laughs> I really appreciate it, and I want to see more of it. I would have loved for him to get a hat trick. I would. I, I need Dustin Brown to score a hat trick against the Coyotes uh, before he leaves the Kings. I don't know if it's possible now. If the rumors about him eventually not being a King very soon are true. I hope not, but I would like to see him score a hat trick before he leaves. I mean, to be fair, even if he's not a king and he scores a hat trick against the Coyotes, I'll st- I'd it'll be still feel yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll still feel good. <laughs> so, really liked his game. Um, Vinny Lecavalier has been pretty fun to watch. Kings fans loving it because he keeps scoring goals. Yep. What do you think of him now? He's played twelve games for the Kings at this point. What do you think of him so far? I'm all for him. I know that he is still a little slow, you know, but I feel like he knows it and Mm -hmm. uses the way the Kings play to his advantage and knows where to just kind of, like, park himself um, in order to be in a good position to get some goals. Um, And I'm I'm pleased to see that, like, he was obviously traded uh, for, like, the one year just, like, as, like, a tacked-on thing – and we thought that he might, we might not get a lot of production out of him just because he is, you know, an aging NHL player. But he's done really well for the Kings. He's worked, he's worked within their system. So I'm pleased to see that, like, five goals in 12 games is nothing to sneeze at. So that's, he's doing pretty well. I'm very happy with him. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Lacobley is, I, I agree, he's been a lot of fun to watch. I think for for me what has been fun about him is like even though he's slow when he is in the right position like he still has hands like he can pull off some cute little moves and tight and it's really nice um the speed is an issue at five on five uh because he's actually so far and part of this might be adjusting to the king system but he is older too is um he's still sub 50 percent Corsi um, on the Kings, and this is a team where like they managed to make everybody a positive possession player, so that's an issue. But I mean, the other thing too for for Kings fans is to keep in mind that right now his shooting percentage with five goals in twelve games is thirty one point three percent, which is insanity and probably will not last. However, 
what I will say about Vinny LeCavalier is, a, this is both interesting, but in a, in a number of ways, is the fact that he has not scored a goal at even strength. Even the one goal, four of them have been on the power play, and then the other one was not on the power play technically, but what, it was when the Kings had um, pulled their goaltender for an extra skater. So he's never scored at even strength, and so far. And I feel like the interesting thing might be, like, what he lacks five on five, he could still be very useful, clearly, on special teams um, when the Kings have that offensive zone advantage or or whatnot. And he wouldn't be, like, the first player to be that where, like, maybe you lose part of this game, but here's an area where you're still super useful. Um, And I'm curious to see how that continues as the season goes on, like, if that continues to be true. Because if so, then, like, dope. I mean, they only have him for the rest of the season, and then he's retiring, and if they find a way to make him super super effective while he's here. Great. Exactly. I I think that's exactly it where we only have, we only have him until the end of the season. So if he's not an all-around great player for the Kings right now, who cares? The fact that he's so good at special teams is more more than I thought that we would get out of him. Yeah, uh, totally. during the trade. So it, it's all it's all good. It's all good for me. Um if he's not I mean maybe limit his time on the other uh, things because of that, like, his below 50 Corsi, but um, otherwise, it's he's been a great player, and I am very happy with him being on the Kings and being there for special teams, and if he can just give the Kings that extra little push, that extra little, like, bit of skill on, like, in any respect, in this case, like, on special teams, then I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. I think particularly with how the Kings power play and stuff will go through periods where it's like super ineffective. So if they have a person there who um, is pretty good at getting in the right spot and getting a few more goals out of their power play or something like that, then dope. (laughs) Keep it up. (laughs) So yeah, I have no real complaints about Vanilla Cavalier. I do think some people should probably like manage their expectations because he's probably not going to blow anybody away at even strength at this point. But I do really like what he's been able to put together so far on special teams. I think as long as you know what he's good at and what he's going to excel in, and I think he seems to know what he's good at and what he's going to excel in, then we're all going to be very happy with uh, what we get out of it. And I saw somebody tweet, I can't remember who it was. It was probably one of the stats guys because they're always looking at the numbers and whatnot. But, um, Someone tweeted that the Kings are a good enough team that they mask where a player like LeCavalier is lacking, which is speed. And, like, that's true. Like, they've he's not the first guy that they've had on the team who was not that fast and not a play driver on his own who they've still managed to make look competent in areas where he's lacking and then shine in areas where he's really good. Um, and I think that's, you know an amazing thing about being a great team with a effective system. Um, and so, yeah, I just think it's fun to see how he fits in and how like Luke Shen fits in as well. And clearly the Cavier has been productive so far. So it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah. They're making the most out of what they have and that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's paying off. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess speaking of Luke Shen, he hasn't had as many points or anything, but I find it interesting that they've already traded and got one defenseman in him, but I've seen analysts and reporters and stuff say that they think the Kings are going to be active and looking for another defenseman before the trade deadline. Um, I don't know. What do you feel about the Kings defensively, I guess, so far this season? Do you think they need another person? 
That seems to be like the consensus among people who have no idea what the kings are actually thinking at this point yet. <laughs> what do you think? I don't think they need another defenseman. What I'm always someone who is like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. And they seem to be in a good position right now and doing well. And there's, it's not totally glaring. Uh, I mean, I guess you could always use a better player, like regardless of what position it is. So they, of course, they could use a better defenseman. But do I really think that they need it? Not really. If they can get a good deal for, I mean, we've seen names like Dustin Bufflin like being thrown around, but if they can get a good deal without having to give up too much, then fine, sure. I'm slightly worried about how that'll like affect the team, like how it'll jostle up you know, people's, uh, not compatibility. What's the word? Oh, I'm chemistry? afraid that it's going to, jo- yeah, I'm afraid that it's going to jostle at people's chemistry just because it's been so good for this entire season. So if they get a defenseman and they don't give a lot, fine, but I don't necessarily think that they need like a, a defenseman and should, you know, get one at all costs. That's kind of where I come out on it too. Like, I think it would be nice to, particularly because like the King's seem like they don't really trust Christian Ehrhoff. I don't agree with that, but that just seems to be what they're feeling. Um, I think Christian Ehrhoff, unfortunately, suffered from having a really unlucky start to the season with the Kings, and it's kind of, now it's sort of like confirmation bias anytime he doesn't play very well. And I think that's unfortunate because I think he could be a really good piece for this team if and when they go to the playoffs. And I don't think they need to look for another huge piece. Like, it would be a boon for them if they could get somebody like Dustin Bufflin. He's a great player. But they'd have to give up a lot to get him, probably. And he's still a rental. And who knows if they can resign him. They've got a number of big contracts already. So I I would not go out of my way to get another piece like that. Because even though it's like they could win a third Stanley Cup, I still think that's true without them changing anything. Right. So, yeah. So it's kind of weird. And it, one reason I would like another defenseman, and I wish, and one reason I wish they just trusted Christian Ehrhoff more too, is because I think their big question mark is that second pairing with Jake Muzzin and Alec Martinez primarily. And Jake Muzzin is really good and really strong, but Alec Martinez has struggled with the harder minutes and the tougher competition. Um, some at times he's been really fun and, and really good, but he's struggled a lot. And Jake Muzzin, outstanding defenseman, is actually sort of being dragged down by. Uh, Martinez's struggles. And so I would like to see Martinez, like, I would like to see the Kings have the flexibility to to change that up, maybe figure out a way to get Martinez back on the third pairing, um, and then figure out something else on the second pairing. But like I said, because they don't really trust Christian Ehrhoff, they don't, it seems like maybe they don't feel like they have that flexibility. So that's like why I kind of see, okay, I can believe they'll be looking for another defenseman. But I also don't really totally think they need it. For me, Thinking about the Kings' last two playoff runs, they've been a decent defensive team in the playoffs, but actually what has been amazing about them is that in the playoffs, suddenly they start scoring more goals, with the exception of the 2013 run, in which they still made it to the Western Conference Final, but like barely scored ever yeah. in any of those series. Um, so for me, I'm like, can you figure out another random forward that you can get who suddenly, like Marion Grabrick, scores, what, 14 goals in the playoffs? <laughs> Let's do that. Uh, but them, that hasn't really been their priority. People are thinking if they make a move again, it's defense. And I'm like, cool, but I'm also like, I don't really need it. Yeah, don't need that. Unless they can trade... Like Andy Andreoff for Dustin Bufflin or something like that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I feel like anything else would be too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yes, little bag here. Please take Andy Andreoff. It's totally equivalent. <laughs> that's about that's about right, right? Yeah. That's, that's not a lopsided trade at all. <laughs> oh man, um, I mean, Winnipeg's kind of a disaster, so I won't say it's outside the realm of possibility that they accept <laughs> a trade that's not actually super great. But that one would be impressive. I don't think any of them are currently concussed. <laughs> like, I mean, management. Right. So I don't think it'll happen. But a girl oh. can dream. I haven't, let me look at the standings again, but I thought it was, like, wild. People have been pointing out how, like, all of Canada is, like, in the bottom third of the league rankings, or league standings, and I'm like, wow, that's way to stick together as a country, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's some nationalism right there. It's like, yeah. we want to be together. But also, well, I'm, there's like, pissed Montreal. because don't give them any dope prospects anymore. I'm tired of really great prospects going to Canada and then nothing happening with them. Montreal is the 22nd is 22nd in the league. Amazing. And they're the top <laughs> Canadian oh, no. team. And that's like crazy because they've barely picked up points in the last they, like, like, month They and like a half. just won like their first <laughs> game after like a huge like spiral or whatever. <laughs> Especially after like what was it like a 10 or 8 10 game like win streak at the beginning of the, yeah. the season they had like and the now craziest it's like, start womp, womp, like oh, man. back to where they were so they're 22nd Ottawa's 23rd Vancouver's 24th then Calgary then Winnipeg Buffalo Toronto Edmonton then poor old Columbus think about what that says about all of those other Canadian teams too that like Montreal who has done barely anything the last month and a half is still the best yes. <laughs> out of all of them. What That's is going on with everyone else? Unfortunate. Do you remember how we thought that Calgary would be more of, uh, like, more competition than it currently is? I I mean, I thought they would stay as lucky, well, not as lucky, but relatively as lucky as they were last season, but they have not, actually, so. No, they have, when we were doing our, like, I remember us sitting at Frozen Fury being like, all right, Pacific Division, what do we think it's going to be like? Calgary was up there, and now we have egg on our face because Calgary's trash. <laughs> They're absolute garbage. Um, I'm pretty sure we were, like, completely wrong. We picked, like, the Ducks to be first, the Kings to be second, um... I think it was Calgary third. Calgary third, the Sharks fourth, and then who cares about the rest, I suppose. Um, We definitely didn't uh, picture the Coyotes at any point being in a playoff spot, and they held one for a little while. Um, But I will say that um, Arizona right now is 21st, so they're just above Montreal. So they're only a little bit better than Canada. (laughs) True. So we weren't really wrong. They're actually tied with Canada currently. We just thought that the Pacific Division would not be as bad as it was to start, and therefore they made, like, the Coyotes look better than they actually were. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, weird time in the standings, and, and Calgary, I think I just had, like, way too much faith in that top line, and Johnny Gaudreau can't actually do it all himself, though he tries. Night in, he tries. Out. I I keep getting annoyed because, okay, this is, like, just a total tangent. Chicago has 76 points right now, and the Kings have 65. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Chicago can't be that much better. And then I realize that, well, Chicago's won 36 games compared to the Kings' 31, Mm -hmm. but they've also played 56 games compared to Los Angeles's 51. Right. So they've also played a ton more games. So I'm like, okay, that's better. Yeah, LA has (laughs) games in hand. I feel better about that. 
but it was just still deeply annoying to yeah. me every time I see it. Because I know it'll all even out in the end, but right now I'm just like, oh, fuck you guys. Yeah, and also, like, Chicago, not too far back, went on, like, that 12-game win streak, which I think has helped push them up. Um, yeah. So hopefully the Kings can go on another win streak, please. <laughs> I would like to see them get even more points. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's kind of like – Chicago went from looking like a team that was super mediocre to like all of a sudden they were winning a bunch and so now they look great again or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I will say Washington looks fucking nuts though. Okay, here's the thing about the Capitals. A, they're really strong, but I also feel like it's always an indicator of just how believable that strength is when you see people start to become like casual fans like more and more people i've noticed who are who have always probably felt like fond of the capitals i don't know very many people who just straight up hate them unless they're like pens fans but you see more people like actively watching their games when they're on because people want to see what the capitals are going to do and i always think that's dope and i can't wait for them to go in the playoffs and i hope they do do really well in the playoffs because people are like anxious to see what this Capitals team can do this season. I'm anxious to see what this Capitals team is going to do, and I hope that I get to see that when the Kings and the Capitals play each other in the Stanley Cup final. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) But they've played one less game than the Kings, and they have 18 more points. They have been insane this season. They've lost nine games. That's crazy to me. I love it, though. It's great. No, I'm like, I'm super into it. I love seeing when teams are doing well, um, especially when, you know, historically they haven't been, and I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i I'm super excited about this Capitals team, and I do want them to do really well if... I, I want them to win the Stanley Cup unless it is a final with the Kings, and then I want the Kings to win. I'm sorry. <laughs> then I want well, the Kings yeah, to win. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel but, like that goes without saying. But uh, really happy for you, Capital Team. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> I, what, I will say, one thing that I am annoyed about, just going back to how well Chicago has been playing lately and the winning that they've been doing, is the rookie race. <laughs> because one of the highlights of this season for me, and also someone else who was super fun at the All-Star game, is Dylan Larkin. Mm-hmm. He has been so exciting. And I feel like he has a, he should have a really great shot to win the Calder. He probably should win the Calder, but he doesn't have as many points as Artemi Panarin. And he's not going to catch up to him because Artemi Panarin, happen- who is good, not to take anything away from him, really, but also happens to be playing on a line with a person who is having his best points-producing season probably of his career. So yes. I'm like kind of a hater about it because I think <laughs> Dylan Larkin is really dope and I want him to win the Calder. But alas, it looks like that's not going to be the case. Uh. It pains me. Um, it's it's kind of wild looking at the numbers because Panarin has 52 points, and then coming in second is Larkin, but he has 37 points, and then right below him is Jack Eichel with 35, and then Max Domi with 34. And Panarin actually would be closer, except for, bizarrely, he has, let's see, 14 second assists, whereas, like, in comparison, Larkin has four second assists and Eichel has five. So he's... I feel like that's just like they're they're a debate among among people about whether second assist should still be a thing. But I feel like in an instance like this, it's like, come on, where did you get all those from? Why? Why are you so bad? I know it's just like he just happened to be the last second to last person to touch the puck, and with that gets fourteen assists. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's something I look at 
constantly throughout the season, and it's just like, but stop. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not going to, I don't think. No, nah, he's not going to stop. Like, it's not wild. going to stop. He has 52 points in 56 games. That is insanity. He is not Connor McDavid. Come on. No, he just happens to play on a really good team. Oh, luxury. That's yeah, true. <laughs> it's funny how that like that's never going to happen for the Kings. No. Cuz we just keep <laughs> trading away all of like our first round picks for like older people. Yeah. Yeah, the Kings. So, we're never going to be like, yeah, rookie race. Let's do it. For sure. Um, nope. It's not going to happen. Plus their system suppresses people's point production. Um, I think about that constantly, too, with someone like Kopitar, who has still had, like, multiple 70-point seasons, even playing on the Kings, how crazy his point production could look on a team that was more, that played more wide open um, and allowed for much more creativity. I mean, he's still a past, a pass-first player, Andre Kopitar, but if he had, like, crazy wingers and they were on an offensive team who um, scored a bunch of goals, like, his points would look I- insane, Probably. <laughs> I th- think about that sometimes, and I'm okay with saying it now that he is trapped in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm like, you know, what if he played with, like, Jamie Ben? Yeah. What if he played with, like, all of these people who, I don't know, that'd be really interesting to see. <laughs> Maybe he just had, like, somebody who was what scoring his, constantly. <laughs> yeah, what, what his point production would be uh, on another team. I'm glad that I will never find out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. unless it's some, like, weird all- all-star game. But uh, it would be interesting to see how his points would look and what his career totals would look like if he were playing on um, a more, like, points-forward team. Yeah. Actually, it makes me kind of stoked to see what happens with the World Cup team because he'll probably be a key player on it, like, basically Team Europe or whatever as Team Kopitar. You know, hopefully that means he has some, like, outstanding wingers and maybe they'll do some, like, insane stuff during that tournament. Um, so that could be really exciting. And and to be fair to a cute cupcake Tyler Toffoli, like, get a little taste of it with him and Kopitar because they've been playing together a little more and... Toffoli is a guy who scores if given the opportunity. So, like, there are there have been some moments between them where it's, like, pretty dope. I mean, Tyler Toffoli has 10 more goals than the next people on the Kings, which are Kopitar and Carter, who both have 13. So, so um, some, some magic happening there, too. But, yeah, it is, it is crazy to think about how it could be even wilder <laughs> with, like, a crazy, you know, high-scoring winger on a team that played a little faster and looser. Yeah, currently Tyler Toffoli is... Uh, tied in goals with like Yevgeny Malkin. Amazing. And Mike Hoffman, but like who cares? But, but. yeah, we talked about how like Mike Hoffman has been having like a wild season. Yeah, he really has. Point producing Mike Hoffman. Who knew? Ottawa Senators fans. Too probably. bad he's, I was going to say, too bad he's on the Senators <laughs> because remember them? I didn't. Right. Uh, even though the Kings have made them look inexplicably great this season. So good. Every, I think last season too, they also. Made the Senators look really good, which is just what? Of my it's amazing. What are you doing, Kings? That's been interesting. Um, good players. Speaking of good players who score a lot of points, Sidney Crosby has been on a tear. He's on a ten-game point streak. I think he has been on fire lately, and I'm loving it because I was getting super tired of everybody being like, "Has Sidney Crosby fallen off a cliff?" Blah 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 blah. <laughs> no, he's still super dope. He just scored a hat trick recently. Let Sidney Crosby live. <laughs> he's doing fine. Everyone's always going to worry too much about Sidney Crosby, but he's going to be okay. He's always going to do well. He's always going to bounce back. 
it's not the end of the world. Something that made that even more fun for me, it was because I think the Hatcher game happened right either on the same night or right after. Um, McDavid played his first game back, um, and he, he did really well. He has five points in his first three games. Technically, it was five points in his first two games, and then he didn't get any points against Montreal. Um, but anyway, so it was kind of like McDavid comes back, has his like crazy game, and he scored a crazy goal, and Sidney Crosby is like, hold up, youngster. I'm not done yet. Remember me? I was the... <laughs> yeah. I was the second OG, like, I mean, I was the second, the next great one, so <laughs> let me just remind the world that I'm still great. Know, now I'm just thinking about the Kanye rant and Sidney Crosby being like, I am your OG and I will be respected as such to Connor McDavid. It's like, your time is not now. I am still here. I am still alive. Oh, so I hope Sidney Crosby, like, catches up to all of the players who are at the top of the league right now in points, because I think he can, and I'm, I really want him to do it just so everybody can just have egg on their face. I think we just, like, always want people to shut up about Sidney Crosby. Or, True. like, you know, like, I mean, I mean, Connor McDavid, too, at the beginning, just like, you guys just stop. Like, lay off. <laughs> like, I get that there's a second coming or whatever, but, you know, just leave him alone. Please chill. Yeah. Um, I am happy to have Mr. Small Font Voice back giving interviews. <laughs> it's really nice to have to turn up my computer to full volume to understand what he's saying. I want someone to just, like, push his head into a mic. Like, just like, here, talk louder into this, please. I can't hear you. That would be me if I ever, for any reason, had to interview him. I'd, I'd be, like, uh, in Willy Wonka, where he's like, could you speak up constantly to that one kid? That would be me and Connor McDavid. <laughs> constantly oh that's perfect it's perfect <laughs> um okay i feel like we blew through a lot of stuff pretty quickly are there other thoughts that you've had about the kings recently or any other nhl things um well i did see that article with um brant myers oh yeah about you know how this has been going on and some players have spoken out how you know they he's gained their trust and it's been helpful and that a lot of people have like just talked to them or talk to him about whatever they needed to talk about, having a confidant there. And I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm I'm glad that I don't know a lot about it because he's so concerned about keeping everything confidential mm-hmm. so that he is, like, he, so that the players can see that he's genuinely on their side and not looking to, like, tell anyone what's going on. Um, but I'm, I, I don't know if we would really, like, see the effects of it like in any significant way, like there's not, there's not any gauge as to whether or not it's working or not, but they seem to think that, you know, it's helping people. And so I think that's, that's very cool. Yeah, I I like it too. In general, I'm still really on board with how the league is talking a little more about substance abuse and having problems and stuff like that. And guys have told their story and some of them have come back to play or have continued to play and some of them have retired. Um, I want it to keep happening and I like that people have reached out to Myers um, it's uh, exciting feels like a weird word but I, I think like anytime things are being made better for people who may have been struggling like it's exciting <laughs> that they don't have to just live with that it, it is exciting so that people aren't just like stuck in their own heads or thinking that they're alone yeah um, and the fact that the, the Kings are doing this and that other teams have reached out to him to find you know a way to help their own players, that it is something that is being talked about, um, is, is only a good thing. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's weird to say that this is very exciting, but it, it's true that uh, it takes the stigma off of it. 
And, I mean, if there's any place that there's going to be crazy, like, substance abuse issues, just, like, mental health problems or whatever, it's professional sports. I mean, it's a rough world in terms of expectations and uh, what you have to do and, and things like that. So I'm in many other uh, jobs and occupations, they have someone there. But for sports, it seems like it's a little bit lacking. Um, so I'm glad that they're kind of getting on board with, like, oh, you know, your players, the, the like, basis of your league needs help. And so you should give that to them and give them support. And that's great that it's being enacted. Yeah, I really like it. Um, not the exact same subject, but sort of related to it. It, it just made me remember um, everything that happened or is happening with Den- Dennis Weidman, his suspension and like sort of reopening the conversation about concussions. Did you see all of that stuff? I, I saw that he was suspended for 20 games for um, that hit on the, the official. Yeah, it was... It was wild because for me, the biggest revelation, I guess, is just that, or not revelation, reminder, is that even though the NHL has this concussion protocol and guys who get head hits and stuff are supposed to be taken aside and at least checked before they're sent back on the ice, like, that there's still very clearly a lot of times where players are like, no, I'm fine, I don't need it, I don't need it, because that's what happened in that game. You know, he, he was later actually diagnosed with having a concussion and even before that came out um people were like he was probably delirious and whatnot nobody i don't think anybody thought it was intentional in the sense that he just randomly decided to be super malicious towards this official but i thought it was interesting that in that game like he never left that bench he played that entire game and was never checked even though i think it was also reported that the concussion spotter was like check that dude uh weidman was like no i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine after the game he was like oh i'm fine i just looked up or you know didn't see him or whatever but then people look at the video and it's like your head is up the whole time and then you just like cross check this guy um i think it raised a lot of interesting questions about who is really culpable in those situations so like you can have a concussion spotter but it's like how effective is it if your player can still be like no, I'm cool. I don't need to be checked. I think it. you basically have to make it super mandatory that if you get hit in the head, you got to go get checked whether you think you need it or not. Yeah. Like, even if, you, if you're not and if you're truly fine, then what's wrong with taking, you know, a little time out to just, like, step out, get go through the the hoops of being like, okay, you're fine and going out there. Right. Like, it, it shouldn't be a – it shouldn't be the player saying that I'm fine for like someone to write it off like you should be checked out yeah and i think it's sort of interesting how i I think for fans it's super obvious to be like everybody needs to be checked but what i also thought was interesting about that whole review process with him was up until you know the actual hearing and whatnot it seemed like every person from weidman to the team to even the nhl was very reluctant to even say the word concussion basically because it's if you think about it it's not really in any of their immediate interests like he wants to keep playing his team doesn't want to be down a man um the nhl just probably doesn't want to have to deal with it period (laughs) and so everybody is sort of like in this position of like it is much easier for us if he does not have it and if we say he does not have any symptoms or whatever until the 20 game suspension comes down and it's like oh now he's out of these games but also that money um, because you don't get paid when you're suspended. So now it's like, okay, we have to appeal. Actually, this dude had a concussion. What can we do? Um, and it's like weird because it happened on a ref and that carries the automatic suspension that's really lengthy. So I think that also complicates things. Um, but all of it I thought was 
very interesting and bizarre the way it played out. Yeah, all it was a very strange situation, and I agree the the reluctance of anyone in any sport to say the word concussion is crazy. Mm-hmm. It makes me w- kind of want to see the Will Smith movie Concussion. Yeah, but also I'm not sure if I want to watch that. <laughs> Do you want to like go for that depressing time? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be my jam. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do want to see that when I'm down to feel sad. <laughs> um, yeah, because I feel like it's it's fascinating because I feel like it, it has gotten to the point where it's super obvious and prevalent. I mean, you know, if people on Twitter can be like, that dude should probably have his head checked, he probably has a concussion. The people who have the ability to have any sort of um, effect on that situation, I think have to be more diligent about making sure that guys are checked. And if you're a player, like... You players shouldn't have the power to deny whether or not they need to be checked. They just shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you're the person who might have a brain injury. And you're the one who just, like, wants to keep, keep playing. Of course you're going to say, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm just like, what's so wrong with taking a little time out just to make sure everyone's okay? Yeah, yeah. I think that's also just, like, a indicator. It's like the bare minimum. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the least you could do, actually, is do a quick test on the sidelines. Uh, yeah, I think it's just sort of... A reminder, too, that the culture about hockey in particular hasn't changed and the, like, play through it, play through it aspect because the team is more important. And it's like, actually, you're more likely to cause harm to yourself and other people if you are, in fact, injured or not in your right mind. So uh, take care of yourself, actually, would be the smartest thing and the best thing for your team. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of concussions, I'm glad to see that Amanda Kessel. Oh my is, God, I'm so um, excited! Playing the game again. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's another very fun, uh, fun side of concussions. <laughs> the, the other side, the other <laughs> side of concussion. our concussion, <laughs> the other side of our concussion talk um, is that Amanda Kessel is back. Yeah, and that is awesome. I was so stoked to see that she got two assists in her first game back. She has been out for a long time, and I think this was, like, her last semester of eligibility with the Gophers. So she's back with them and playing, and I hope she continues to do well. And I'm glad that she took all of that time and didn't try to come back before now. And I hope that she is, like, truly feeling feeling better um, because I think she's an amazing player. And I would like to, you know, if she still has it in her to play and can do it because she's healthy, I'm yeah. so stoked. Like a last hurrah. But I, I am glad that she took the proper amount of time, yeah. you know, and made sure that she was okay before coming back. It sucks. It really does. But, um, you know, take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So um, I think that's pretty much all that I have. Oh, one last thing actually about the Kings, because we were talking about um, just their play recently and stuff. I did read, I think it was on Frozen Royalty, um, possibly, or maybe maybe it was Insider. I don't know. There was an interview with Daryl Sutter, which means it probably was in a couple places. But um, he was talking about how because the Kings have four days off between their last game against the Ducks and then playing against Boston on Tuesday, um, they finally had a really long practice. Usually they have like a practice, but it's pretty short, like 45 minutes tops. But they practiced for over an hour, and it was a hard practice. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because he talked about how, you know, because of the schedule, you don't get to do that very often. And what he wanted to make sure was that the team was tight defensively because suppressing shots and goals is such a key part of how the Kings play. And he was saying that he thinks, like, for some of the goals against that we saw, if a guy um, had had the energy or was, you know, st- polished enough basically um to go those extra two feet on the ice or be just a little bit quicker you prevent goals potentially and I thought that was really interesting like 
working on sort of that detail game to the point where it's like, yeah, they're playing really well, but you lost two feet of ice on that play. You got to make sure you get it back kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, it was just like an interesting little insight from the coach about what it's like to make sure guys are on top of things midseason. It's cool. It's, it's always kind of crazy to me that they only have like just like kind of conditioning practices. Yeah. That there aren't longer ones. Like I understand that a lot of it is just like they have to be the, the the best that they can be and that includes a lot of rest mm-hmm. and not a lot of you know like long exertion like the morning before a game but it's always strange to me that there's not more like long or like long practice sessions yeah yeah i think i mean there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of time for it um so it's good when they have an opportunity like this to get in those and like really work on the systems and making sure guys are being as fast as they need to and reacting, you know, as quickly and smartly as possible. Um, it also, I thought of it again because I was watching Calgary play Vancouver last night and there was this random but kind of fascinating bit where they were talking about Johnny Gaudreau and how he's small and they, they've they been experimenting with different tracking things, whatever, around the NHL, particularly in Canada. Like, the Hockey Night broadcasts always mention things like shot speed and whatnot. And so they talked about how um, the tracking that they've done has shown that he only shoots, like, on average 60-something miles per hour, which is not really fast, but he is able to, because he's small and pretty quick on his skates, get in tight so he doesn't have to shoot really hard to get shots through to the net. He can just be accurate about where he places them. Um, and so that made me then think back to Daryl Sutter's thing of like, all right, so if you are like able to get two feet across the ice a little further than you thought you might be able to because your conditioning is up and because you've been told to be mindful of that then maybe you do prevent a goal from a guy like Gaudreau whose strength is getting in tight like if you can actually block him you don't have that goal against Um, so it was like an interesting moment of being like oh I'm putting it all together (laughs) it all fits together (laughs) we get it now especially as people who we don't play hockey no either of us um, so it's kind of interesting to see those, like, littler things. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's probably big to them, it's not something that's immediately apparent to, you know, maybe you or I. Right, yeah. Kind of seeing how that works and how that fits together. Um, yeah. That's always very cool. Right, yeah. Because, like, watching the game, I don't know how, like, fast that shot is going. But, of course, no. it would be something that matters, you know, if you know a guy is not going to take shots from the blue line because he can't shoot that hard, then it makes sense that you want to make sure your detail game closer to the net is on point because that's where he's going to go and that's where he's super dangerous. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Hockey, how cool exciting. Stuff. um all right i think we could pretty much wrap it up any parting words before we go no i'm just very happy to be back and watching hockey no longer in the snow and the cold but getting to watch people skate around in the cold is is a-okay by me right right um yeah i'm glad that you were back and that you had a good trip and that you did not hurt yourself when you slipped on the ice (laughs) always a positive yep (laughs) Um, and yeah, I'm glad to be back too. Um, it was nice to have a little bit of a break, but I always, it just makes me more excited to talk about stuff when we get to do it again. So thanks for coming back friends. And as usual, you know where to find us. We'll be on Twitter at thanksbud, um, Facebook, thanksbud, uh, chirp at thanksbud.com if you want to send us emails. And sometimes we do get cool emails and people talk to us. Even, like, actually on Twitter, somebody was like, are you guys ever going to record again? <laughs> Where are you? 
<laughs> Here we are. We're back. Sorry. Sorry. We're back now. Um, so, yeah, you can reach out to us if you just want to be like, what's up, bro? So, <laughs> what's happening? Um, and we will respond. Uh, thanks again for listening. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. Be good to each other. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.